You're listening to the Actor Aesthetic Podcast, episode 109, featuring special guest and Broadway vet Ben Crawford of The Phantom of the Opera. Let's get started. What's up, everyone? This is Maggie Barra, and welcome to another episode of the Actor Aesthetic Podcast, where I take you behind the scenes of the theater industry. The Actor Aesthetic Podcast is produced every single week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at actoraesthetic.com slash podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at Actor Aesthetic or join our Facebook group, the Actor Aesthetic Alliance. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get on to the show. With the coronavirus pandemic shuttering live theater as we know it, your online presence has never been more important. Meet one-on-one with Actor Aesthetic founder Maggie Berra, that's me, to discuss how you can build your online presence. By the end of the hour-long virtual session, you will have a step-by-step guide to creating a powerful social media strategy and professional website that will attract creatives and casting directors alike. Book a consultation today by visiting actoraesthetic.com coaching. Well, hey friends, this is Maggie Berra, and thank you again for joining us with another episode of the Actor Aesthetic Podcast. Today's episode features one of my favorite phantoms of all time, Ben Crawford. Ben Crawford has appeared on Broadway as the title role in Phantom of the Opera, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Shrek, Big Fish, Les Mis, and On the 20th Century. He has also starred in over 20 regional productions, performs with symphonies and orchestras across the U.S. and Canada, and his recordings include the movie soundtrack for Frozen. He was born and raised in Tucson, Arizona, and earned a BFA in musical theater from the University of Arizona. In this episode, I chat with Ben about his training at the University of Arizona, his difficult transition to New York, how he booked his very first Broadway show, and how he's staying somewhat sane during the COVID pandemic shutdown. Be sure to listen to the entire thing today because I added a brand new lightning round segment. You do not want to miss it. Ben is hilarious. He's so funny and has some really brilliant wisdom for you all. So without further ado, please sit back, relax, and enjoy our chat. Ben, thank you for joining us this week. So I know you grew up in Arizona. I did. I did. Tucson. Tucson, Arizona. So how did you get involved in theater? Um, I was a weird goofy child I just had you know silly fun kid yeah um I think my parents are like this this little child needs an outlet and I just kind of they you know I was in activities a lot they kept me in a lot of activities and um you know I didn't really come into like music theater theater until high school I'd done band for a while my family they sing in church and they're very musically inclined and we're uh we, we always sing together and but to do it like for a profession never really like crossed my mind. And then mm-hmm. high school happened and we did the big musicals and I had a lot of fun doing those. And then went into college and was like, I'm going to be a doctor. And then I was like, mm, yeah, read that. yeah, read that somewhere. So what were you trying? Were you going to school? Like, were you going to go in for pre-med? 
yeah, pre-med, physiological sciences. Yeah, wow. I wanted to do a, uh, be a pediatrician. Wow. Um, and was into that. And, you know, it's interesting because one of the things that my parents instilled in me is like, if you're passionate in something, like you'll just do really well in it. Yeah. And um, I think what I saw when I went into school is I saw people who were more passionate about the right things in medicine to get a degree than what I thought. It's an interesting thing when you go to college and I think your worldview kind of expands a bit. And mm -hmm. I saw people who were like, just the way that we get excited in the theater industry about like a new show or a song, you know, they've figured out like a process that hemoglobin does. And they're just like, did you see the mitochondria? You know what I mean? And I'm just like, oh, okay. I know those didn't make sense scientifically, like hemoglobin and mitochondria. Well, no, right? Because that's the powerhouse of the cell. The mitochondria is, is the powerhouse of, of the cell. Yes, yes. <laughs> I don't know why he gets dance music. Anyway, so he's... I just saw, <laughs> he's at a, I don't know, a cellular rave. This is the dumbest thing I've ever said. Anyway, it just showed me, I was like, these people are really passionate in that. And I was like, well, what am I passionate about? <laughs> and then I realized that like, I was, you know, theater and the arts and it has been something that it just encompassed my life mm. and I was like oh my god so you know I went into it just like a like I had no knowledge just kind of wow. walked into it and it kind of hit me you know like a man walks into a bar and it was that it was just sunk and then just kind of stumbled into it and like trying to figure out how to keep going you know it's such mm. a weird business and how it goes and how you have to hustle in so many different ways how do you so, feel so you you switched from from medicine and and <laughs> one day maybe becoming a pediatrician to musical theater. So how do you feel as though your training at Arizona prepped you for what's now been a career in the theater industry? Well, the, the best thing is I can now prep someone for open heart surgery and sing an etude. Okay, well, that's so good. That was a terrible joke. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I think one of the great things uh, after, you know, when I switched to theater, I think one of the great things um, that I enjoyed was there was a lot of, um, I love have, had a, having a balance of um, you had teachers there who had experience. I just think that yeah. that's like a great thing to have experience in the business um, and in many levels and facets and in different areas of expertise, mm -hmm. which I thought was great. And uh, professors who knew why they were there and, and what they, their purpose was. And I think it helped us all become more all around performers. Um, and they've gone under some new leadership now at U of A, but, but I love everyone over there. They're fantastic. They all have, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of Broadway experience. Um, and they've, they've taken what the original program was and they've changed it into something that fits with today, which I think musical theater programs, they just have to keep evolving and moving just like the art does. And yep. if they're not staying current, then, then they're not helping anyone. They're really not. So, um, you know, I, I think that's fantastic what they're doing at the U of A. And I also just love the fact that you're able to go to a, uh, to like a, a college and then also be able to get a theater degree, but have the college experience. I love that. And that's yeah. just me. But I really, yeah. I really, really enjoyed having that part of it, having that team to yell at uh, every week, you know, or to be like, <laughs> that's my team. You, you know, it's just, I, I love having that. And I'm, you know, I'm a wild cat. So the day I die, and so I, I just love that part of it too. That's awesome. That's really important. Yeah, I went to Texas State and I was like, thank God that this is also, cause for me, I was like, I wanna go to a big school. I wanna go to a big school that has a football team. I wanna like experience stuff besides musical theater. And that was really important mm -hmm. for me as well. Texas State, Caitlin Hopkins. 
Yes, Caitlin Hopkins. She can we curse on your podcast? You can do whatever you want. She's the shit. Okay, Caitlin is the <laughs> shit. Okay, I'm gonna tell you like that. That program, she she's is a amazing. She's, she's an so absolute badass. badass. Yes, and it's one of the programs that I talk about. I talk about U of A and I talk about Texas State, mm-hmm. and it's cool because yes, because Caitlin and I worked on a project. Oh gosh, I don't know, two or three years ago. It was just mm-hmm. like it was her and I and a couple other people and we played husband and wife. So we were hanging out a lot. What show? What and show was this? It's it was called it's Andrew Lippa's show. It's called The Man in the Sea. Yeah. And yeah, we did yeah, yeah. we did a we did a reading of it. Caitlin and I did out at Theater Works in uh in California in uh oh. Works Redwoods. It's near San Francisco. Uh-huh. And we went out there and it was like me and her and Andrew mm-hmm. and they had a cast out there who was fantastic and we did this presentation. And Caitlin had been there. I don't remember how long she'd been there, but she was just telling me how she did it. And I was just like, oh my gosh. Isn't that crazy? Like, this is how you this is how you run a program. Yeah. You got, you know, and uh, she's only I, been I, there I, for I, like, I think now, I think the program only started back in like 20 in like 2009. So it's, just, it's only been around for a couple of years, to be honest. Yeah. And I think it took like two years for it to crack in the top 10 or something. <laughs> it was insane. <laughs> it was just insane. Cause I literally remember Caitlin talking about it. And then they brought up the list and I was like, oh, there it is. Like, okay. Like, and I know you like that. Yeah. She is just an ass kicker. Talk to me about your transition from college to the quote unquote real world. I love asking this question because a lot of kids struggle with this. They don't know what to expect. So what was it like for you? Did you go directly to New York? Did you have a, did you do a show? What, what did you do? No, I had a, I had like terrible, uh, shitty circumstances. I graduated and I needed to make money. Uh, so I stayed for a year in Tucson as a substitute teacher. I was going to leave in like February. I had this date to go to New York um, and I was getting ready to leave. And I started getting like stomach ulcers, like cramp, oh like, like a lot of stress induced stuff. And I went to the doctor and they're like, do you have any like big mo- things coming up? And I was like, well, I'm moving to New York. <laughs> and he was like, well, maybe, maybe don't do that yet. And I was like, okay. So instead what I did was I turned that trip into a, just like a vacation in New York. Okay. And so I went out, I think instead of like, I went over like spring break or something. And I, and I was so fortunate because um, I had been in contact with an, with an agent from my school showcase. Mm-hmm. And I called and I said, Hey, I'm in town. Do you want to talk? Do you want to meet? And he said, sure. And we did. And I was leaving. I said, do you have any auditions for me? Is there anything I could go on while I'm here? Mm-hmm. And he said, let me see. I'll call you later. And he did. And he gave me an audition for Bill Sykes at the Muni. This is in like 2006. I went down there with, for Paul Blake and I sang for him. And he was lovely and wonderful. And then like two weeks later, um, Jim told me I got it. So I got this great, like, I got this great part mm-hmm. where I got to get my equity card and I could go mm-hmm. to, I could go to New York. I, I had, I really hooked myself up and I just want to say it's because I took the initiative and I called the, emailed the agent and I walked in the room and I sat there with him. And then I said, can you give me any audition? Mm-hmm. So there's, a, there's that initiative in this business that you have to do. You don't have to tear people down. You just got to push through. You don't have to be rude about it. You just kind of got to hustle. So I, I set myself up really well because I could stop there and then go to New York. Well, two months to the day, right before I was supposed to leave, my younger brother passed away. Just oh unexpectedly. Gosh. Yeah, just like shit city, terrible stuff to deal with. And then it became this whole thing of like guilt and then people out on the outside of the situation, you know, if he leaves, he's so selfish and my my parents being like, no, you can't stay here and like dwell in this. Like, 
you know? And so it was literally two months of the day I was supposed to leave and went out and did the show. And it was so cool because it's like just it was, you know, it's 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 people from Michigan, it's people from Cincinnati who mm-hmm. get to do a lot of those ensemble parts. And that that is such a job. So it was great because I just graduated and we're working with a bunch of like high quality, badass people. Mm-hmm. And we're kind of thrown into it. And I remember that show had a bunch of like, like Ken Page was in that show. <laughs> and God bless him, Bruce Adler, who's a fantastic, he was in original 42nd Street. He passed wow. just like a year right after. I mean, we had all these fantastic people in that show. And um, I kind of got thrown in and then we finished that. And then I went to New York and it was just like, I was there for two weeks and I think it was like August and I got there. And I'll never forget, I got there on Monday and I was like, well, there's that thing. There's that thing that um, people do sometimes uh, when they move to New York and they're like, I'm going to take like a month and just absorb myself in the city. (laughs) Don't do that. Don't do that. Hit the ground running, get your shit in gear and go. Like, don't mm, mm, want (laughs) to fall in love with the city. No, it it hates you. The city hates you. (laughs) Like, like, ah. It's not Will and Grace. It's not Sex in the City. Like, and I fully watch those to fall in love with New York. I absolutely understand <laughs> the allure to it. I love that, but that's not the real New York. So anyway, I get there on a Monday and I'm like, I'm going to an audition. I got my equity card. I can do this. And I'm looking through, what am I writing? What am I writing? And on the Friday, there was an audition for Rent. It was, a, it was oh an ECC God. Rent. And I was like, I'm doing it. I was terrible. I sucked so bad. I was like, <laughs> like shaking as I sang. And they just sat there. And you know what? They were so freaking nice because they knew. But I failed. And I did it. And I got it out. Of, it's like audition. Just do it. Just get it out of the way. Yeah, you just, just got to get it out Rip of the, the way. Band-aid. Mm-hmm. Rip the Band-Aid. And then you finally get so fucking numb to it. <laughs> where you're just like this is me this is what i do you like it great you don't yeah you go oh, on you go too. on enough auditions and you're just like here i am yeah it's... well that's what it should be you know it's just i think i think there is that thing you're like i have to get it i have to get it i have yeah. to get it and of course there's those things that you love and you want to but they just kind of negatively affect us so many times like you have to mm-hmm. find a way to positively channel that i suppose then. I think in that same year, am I wrong? You made your Broadway debut in Les Mis. Do you remember yeah. that audition? Yeah. Yeah, I remember that whole thing. It's a whole long story. I'm really great at stories. You, are you? I had I'm, no I'm, idea. I'm like old grandpa musical theater. I'm like, come on around, kids. <laughs> I'll tell you about the glory days. I, uh, I went in, and I originally went in, and this is another thing, guys. This is, another, this is, this is a good story for, the, for learning. Uh, I got called in originally to um, replace Norm Lewis as Javert. Wow. And I went in and I killed it. I killed it. I knew it was a good audition. I was like, yes, I did it. I showed them I can do it. But I was like, I'm not dying. I'm not, what have I done? What have I done? Nothing. They're not going to hear it. Like I knew, I knew they weren't, but I was like, oh, like you have that great audition and you walk out and like nothing went bad. That's what I felt. So what happened is like a week later or so they announced it and it wasn't me. And I was like, okay, "Okay, that's cool. But I still had a good audition. Mm -hmm. Well, what I didn't know is that what was going on is the gentleman who is, um, he was the the understudy was also leaving. He was getting ready to, he was getting ready to leave. So he left and then the understudy for Javier became available. And I said, okay, that's something I can get. That is the perfect thing. Ensemble Broadway debut, mm-hmm. perfect. 
so I went in and I remember it was like three auditions. It was like a, it was like a Monday and then like a, like a Wednesday and then a Friday or something like that. Hmm. And I remember the Friday, it was literally like the next day you would start. And so it was a, it was a Friday and I went in and did everything and I went home and I was cooking mac and cheese with hot dogs in it. And, uh, my agent called and was like, Ben, I, he's like, I need you to do me a favor. I was like, okay, he's like, can you go down to the theater to get your shoes done? Because they need to size you for your costumes for the show. And you got it, you know, that kind of thing. And so, yeah, just like lost my mind. I had like Gosh. three jobs. I had to cancel, like, like be like, I quit, I quit, I quit. Like I just <laughs> called them and like, well, can you come in tomorrow? And I was like, no. I did can't. you say it just like that too? I'm sure you said it just like that. I did. I yeah. did. Mm-hmm. I was like, uh, they didn't even know who it was. It was terrible. They were short staffed. It was just the worst. Um, but yeah. And then the next day just went right into it and had a week wow. of rehearsals and then started. And I'll never forget after that week, then I had so a week of rehearsals, did my first week of the shows and then had my first like real day off because on their day off, I was rehearsing. And I came home on that Sunday after the matinee, like five, and I fell asleep on the couch and I woke up at like 2 a.m. I was just exhausted. Oh my God. It was just the, like, I just remember that being like, I am sad. But I can only imagine. I was there for like the final, like nine months or something of the show. Okay. You have since been in, I think now six, am I wrong? Six Broadway shows. Yes. Yeah. Playing everything. I mean, from leads to understudying massive roles like that. So Talk to me about some of the the biggest lessons you have learned from doing now that many shows on Broadway. Professionalism and kindness just like goes so far. That's not like, a, I hope it doesn't come off as like a cynic place. It, it, it comes as a place of like wanting collaboration and productivity. I think that those are, are attributes that are required for that. And I think the older I get, you realize how important the time is in the rehearsal room the time that you spend to prepare when you come into the rehearsal room and I think it's partially because of getting to be so fortunate to do this um, for as long as I have but then also you start to figure out your process and you know figure that out and just be prepared for others and you realize that like when you help yourself you help others it's just so interwoven I suppose is what I'm trying to say mm-hmm. and you can really feel it in and it doesn't matter what level of the show, it, you can feel it when everyone's in 100%. And you can feel it when people aren't. I mean, some of the shows that you've done are truly incredible. Which, which one, though, do you think has probably been the most fun for you? Oh, um, on the 20th. I thought you were Absolutely. going to say Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> you know, that's a great point. And it's, it, it's so interesting because I don't think Charlie would have been as much fun for me if I didn't do on the 20th. Really? And on the 20th was really vital for me. And you talked about me understudying. And yeah. one of, the, one of the, the, the things that is so great about being able to understudy, if you're smart, is you watch people who are better than you mm. do things. So, and then you steal from them and learn how they're <laughs> so good. That's what, that's what you do. That's what Meryl Streep does. She's admitted it. I don't mind saying it. That's what other yeah. people in the business have said, that if I say, they'll be like, But the point is, is that you have to watch other people as a mirror and self-reflection of yourself. So what was important for me for on the 20th was being able to watch Andy, who I was understudying, and Kristen work, work on bits, work on things, just go for it. And it was a great time where I needed that because I think I was ready to take the step into Charlie to have that like principal character where I didn't have to understudy the lead as well, where I was just doing that. It was cool to see 
them work and then to find my process of how to do that and then come into Charlie. And then Charlie was fantastic because that felt like I was going back to college when we had our, my, my improv group. I mean, that show was fun because we were just, I mean, we were gonna have a great time. And the material, you know, I get, I get frustrated sometimes because like that material is, like it's, you're not gonna go watch Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and it's gonna change your life. Like you're not, you know what I mean? But you're gonna go in and you're gonna escape. You're gonna have a great time. Yeah. Every audience, like they loved it. They lost their minds. And that's what we were there to do, to make those people have a wonderful time, to take that script and that beautiful score and to wrap it all up. And we just had fun doing that. Mm. Um, very silly people and just keeping on your toes every night. I mean, especially with like Christian, like you just <laughs> never know in like the most deliciously wonderful way. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what, why he's so great is you... Uh, you don't know what to expect, but you do because you know that he's, you know, he's in like that the scope of where his performance yeah. is. But he still finds wonderful ways to amaze you and make you go <laughs> <laughs> on uh, on stage. So yeah, we just had a great time with that. Um, and then, but on the twentieth, really was this kind of springboard to be like, well, who are you, Ben? There's that thing where I think we have to um, work so hard to fit into the business. We have to fit into what the parameters are. And a lot of that is, is, is valuable for us to you know, respond to casting and things like that. But then I think there becomes a time too where it's like, okay, I've fit within this mold. Now, how do I break out of it a bit? Mm -hmm. And so I think that's kind of what On the 20th helped me do creatively in a sense. And then with Charlie, it was just like silly, silly fun times. And, Can we uh, give it up for the world's tiniest wig really quick? Can we just, <laughs> <laughs> just give a round of twab. applause? For the twab. Oh, yes. <laughs> You know, it's so funny because, because one of the, uh, the uh, assistants, she would come in, her name's, uh, her name's Shazia, and uh, everyone in the business knows Shazia, she's wonderful, mm -hmm. and she would apply my wig, and then when I come to Phantom, I find out she's the substitute makeup artist as well, so Shazia has like glued this tiny little wig up here on my face, and then she's glued massive like facial deformations on my face. So you were playing the Phantom in the Phantom of the Opera right up into the pandemic and i've seen phantom now like five or six times by far my favorite phantom by far oh, my favorite thank you mm -hmm. thank and you, thank you but take me back to that that day back in you know mid-march what yeah. how did you how did you guys all find out about <laughs> the pandemic and about your show yeah well it all started for me the night before because yeah. um in my dressing room I will have like a uh, basketball on or something. So I had the basketball game. It was ready to start. I remember Dallas was about to play something and they canceled the game. And then we were in the middle of the show and I was like, what's going on? And they were, and they were just showing, like, I was like, the game should be on by now. And then the phone, the ticker comes up, you know, canceled due to coronavirus. And I was like, oh, okay. So then we come into work the next day and I'm in the makeup chair. And then we're suddenly getting all the things about the NCAA tournament about uh, singular colleges like Duke said they're not going to send their yeah. their men or women to the to the tournament then Kansas did then whole divisions were canceling it. and then we're in like getting ready to do the show and I'm like what's going on and then it had to have been about 20 minutes before intermission they started making uh intermittent phone call or phone call uh over the loudspeaker saying um this is going to be our last show we're taking a four-week hiatus uh, the theater will be shut down at 5.30. Um, 
we're going to need to pack out as much as we can before we leave. We don't know when we're going to be able to get back in. Um, so it was the weirdest show. We have people whose like contracts were coming up. Like it was just, oh my God. I mean, it's it shitty. Yeah, it was just really shitty. So people are dealing with that we're trying to like my my dresser god bless him i'm like can you find me like bags i like plants and you got you know and i had beer in the fridge like we had the like we had there was just so much stuff that we were just you know we had to suddenly take home Hmm. and i think everyone wrapped their head around four weeks but of course now it's just a catastrophe so um yeah and then just slowly learning about it and and uh having a personal panic moment in new york just mm-hmm. watching the news and being like, do I just need to leave and just leave everything here and just try yeah, and get Yeah, because how long did out. you stay? How long did you stay in New York? When did you co- eventually come back to Arizona? Well, it was tough because I couldn't leave. So my family wasn't in New York. They were out in Arizona already. Mm-hmm. It just kind of happened. And so I was getting ready. We're like, okay, maybe I can come out. But because of the quarantine, I wasn't able to fly yeah. because unfortunately with the two-week quarantine, you have to add four weeks onto a trip, which with a four-week stay wouldn't have happened. Yeah. So I had to sit and wait till about three weeks in to get the AOK to fly, wow. um, to be able to leave. Yeah. So I did that and came back for a bit. And then I went back and had to, and had to like pack up everything. Cause once we knew it was like long-term, we're like, well, like, let's not, I'm not gonna, we're not coming back here for a bit. So the apartments mm-hmm. packed up and, um, came back and did all that, but I had to fly and quarantine. I think I flew like six times and had to quarantine each time, just like going wow. back and forth trying to bring things yeah and it was it's very frustrating but my mom's a nurse and I just I she's you know she tells me you know how how it how it's going as much as she can and it's just interesting it's just interesting to hear it's all public knowledge but it's just mm-hmm. you know ICU beds and capacity and things like that it's um yeah it's a it's a lot to to wrap your head around so mm-hmm. with everything shutting down and uh, it's been interesting, like a lot of artists are just trying to figure out how to stay creative. Exactly. So what kind of stuff have you been doing in the meantime to both stay creative, but also to stay sane? Well, I've got two of my own personal projects. Uh, the first one is called bencrawfordcoachings.com. You essentially, we can do a live Zoom session for, a, for a, a lesson, or you can actually upload videos and get critiqued that way. There's different pricing options with that. Um, there's also just Q&As I've had. It's been a lot of fun. I've had people from uh, Peru, the Netherlands, Taiwan, wow. China, you know, as well as, as, as the States calling in and getting lessons or just want to do Q&As and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have that and that's been, that's been fun. And then I also have uh, a new beer blog called Broadway Beer Time with Ben Crawford. Uh, we're in Arizona, so it's, it's Broadway Beer Time Desert Edition. So we're essentially featuring uh, Arizona breweries and their beers, and it's been a lot of fun. I've got a, a fantastic editor named Grace Benini who actually lives in New York, and we've just been, I send her clips, and she edits the entities. She makes me make sense somehow, so she's fantastic. <laughs> I've been doing that, and then I've been also lucky that um, I've had some organizations want me to do some videos for them for their fundraisers and stuff. Just hustling, just trying anything else. Also, you know, two kids also keeps you busy, so imagine this. <laughs> with two kids and then that's how you keep yourself busy thankfully yeah jack is 15 months so he's just Uh, like walking and then he likes to eat everything so that's where he's at and then charlotte's a three-nager as they say a three-nager yeah they were like don't do that and then they look you dead in the eyes and then they do what you said (laughs) and then i'm like and then i pick her up and i'm like okay you have to go and time out now and then she's like and i'm like you have to go because you disobeyed me. Like, it's the funniest thing. Like, oh I'll be like, God. if you do that, 
but it's just her check you know it's how kids are they check their boundaries and I'll be like, if you do that, you are going in timeout. And then she'll just look me in the eye and she'll do it. And then it's just so mad. It's like, you have to go in timeout now, Charlotte. Do you think either of them will ever become a performer? Well, here's the thing. <laughs> here's the rule. They can, they just need to get a minor in business or a minor in economics or something. And I mean this seriously, because it's one thing that I think is mix- missing from college curriculum. And that's how yeah. to... Uh, budget, finance your money. There needs to be more, I think, effort from the universities to find that information and uh, give it to their students. I, I just think it's it's part of the curriculum that's overlooked. And then also on my wish list, I believe that there should be different specialization degrees based on your type. Ooh, elaborate. Like, why am I doing advanced ballet? Like, I should know how to do it, but I just, I just, and it's fine. I'm okay with it now. I'm just thinking. I just remember taking that class mm. and being the worst. I don't think I was going to suddenly become Barishnikov after a <laughs> semester of advanced ballet. I got to watch people and be like, wow, I will never be able to do that. So I guess that was, <laughs> but I'm like, but, but it was just like stage combat. So I don't know. Is that like a thing that you add because you're going to, like do that more, you think? I don't know. No, that's a great point. I think that that's really important. I think schools should be implementing something like that. I know at Texas State, we did a little bit of, yes, here's your degree, but also you can personalize it depending on what you feel is going to benefit you in the long run. And that goes beyond type too. It was more of like, mm-hmm. you can take uh, playwriting classes if you wanted to, or directing, oh, yeah. or, or you could work as a choreographer, you know, different things, but that's so important. Well, and I don't know, and maybe, and I don't, I don't want it to make like courses are only for people that we think can do that yeah. and stuff like that. That's not why I'm trying to, you yeah. know, I think it should of course be all inclusive, but I just think in some instances, maybe it would benefit someone to do something else other than another course. But mm-hmm. who am I to say? I'm just brainstorming. <laughs> Hate to do this to you, but I have added a new segment to my podcast and it's going to be a fun little lightning round. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Are you nervous? Yeah. Great. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. So because you are a, a Broadway veteran, I f- figure you know everything there is to know about musical theater. Am I oh, wrong? No. This is, <laughs> no, you are. You're very wrong. So you'll be explaining six different musicals in as basic terms as possible. Okay. And each All of right. these okay. musicals that I'm about to call out, you've already been in. So you have a leg up oh. here. Okay. 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 Are you ready? I'm, uh, yes. Phantom of the Opera, go. Uh, lonely guy thinks a girl's cute and woos her. Charlie and the Taco Factory. Uh, lonely kid. <laughs> Wait, uh, uh, little dude, little dude realizes, little dude realizes that he's more than what society tells him. Wow, that was profound. Shrek. Ugly guy finds true love. Ugly guy. Four, on the 20th century. Life is like a train. Five, big fish. Oh, shh. <laughs> Be the hero of your story. Ooh, love that. Lastly, Lamez. Redemption. <laughs> oh, man. I was terrible at that. But that's, you were the first of the first, so. <laughs> oh, no. so I was the first one to do this? There was Oh, no- my God. Well, here's the great thing, Maggie. There's only up to go from it here. It only goes up from here, and that's 
that's the motto of 2020. I'm so grateful I could provide the baseline <laughs> for your new lightning round. We're keeping the standards low here, okay? <laughs> ben, thank you so much for joining us this week. This has been so lovely. Thank you. My pleasure. And uh, Ben Crawford Coachings. I'll Hit him up. Hit him Hit up. up. If you've enjoyed today's episode and you found it helpful, I would love it if you could screenshot it, tag at Actor Aesthetic, and share it to your Instagram stories so that I can see who is following along with me there. If you haven't already, please be sure to rate and review the podcast on iTunes and also hit that subscribe button so that you can join me every single week for a brand new episode of the Actor Aesthetic podcast. Until then, this is Maggie Barra signing off. It takes a village. I'll see you next week.